Hey ladies and gents and welcome to the second episode of the Controlled Interest Gamecast. Thank you guys for listening and tuning in to the first episode. We really appreciate all the support. And uh, yeah, so we're going to be getting into it here. I'm here with Jordan. Hashtag smash the dunst. And Dominic. Hey, what's going on guys? And uh, yeah, so before we get into the news guys, uh, we want to have a little discussion about what we're playing. So Jordan, what have you been playing as of lately this last week? So... <laughs> I actually haven't played video games in probably about three or four days, but before that I was playing uh, Far Cry Primal, and I think it's safe to say I'm not quite at the 10 hour mark with that one, but I think it's a pretty boring game. Really? It's like, And it's not just because of the fact that you don't have guns, but that is like, like, yeah, it's cool to have animal companions and crap like that, but really, I mean... In a Far Cry game, you need some guns, I think, is really what it comes down to. Yeah, it has a Far Cry name, but it doesn't feel like a Far Cry game? In a way, yes. I mean, it feels like a Far Cry game because it's literally the map copied over from Far Cry 4. (laughs) Yeah, I saw that. It's like redefining the the name Reskin. But um, it's not just like, oh, I have to read subtitles or, oh, I only have these animal companions. It's kind of a combination of everything, and it, it ends up feeling like just a completely different game that should have been called uh primal something or whatever you know and uh so it's kind of boring i'll keep playing it just because i always like having like a big open world game that i can just go and screw around in while i'm watching podcasts or whatever Uh uh-huh just to be doing stuff exactly but i don't think i'm gonna like i'm not in love with it so it kind of like you know Sometimes you play games and and they kind of suck and you're just like, eh, screw video games right now, you know, so... Just like a chill pill, yeah. Yeah, I think I'll be playing Mass Effect. Um, I've already started it, but I'm really hoping to, like... Yes, Mass Effect 1. I had started it way back when on 360, but I'm trying to get through the trilogy before, um, you know... Have you ever played it? comes out. Like I said, I had started it on 360, but maybe got, like, 10-ish hours in. Oh, wow. So... Yeah, I need to go through the trilogy, and I'm hoping to like really dig into the first one. I kind of actually envy you of being able to play that game for the first time because that's obviously <laughs> my favorite franchise. So people that's are cool. always talking about like video games we wish we could play again for the first time, and they always say Mass Effect. I'm like, I'm glad I have that. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so for me, I've been kind of I've been playing Smite as always. I love that game. Uh, you know, MOBAs are for nerds, so I guess I'm a nerd by that definition. <laughs> Uh, I play that game all the damn time. It's addicting, and I have a, a problem, and I need to go to rehab. But other than that, uh, I finished Life is Strange. Great experience. Um, probably one of the best, like, simplistic stories I've played where it's not, like... There's not a huge, a lot of gameplay there, but it's just a great story, right? Uh, kind of in the vein of Gone Home, but it has a lot more gameplay, I think, than Gone Home. Um, I finished that. Great. And then um, I've actually been playing Pokemon Yellow, so Nintendo yeah. got me and buying mm-hmm. the same damn game again with nothing new except for being able to use the access to PokeBank. And I'm actually so um I don't know if you guys are familiar but early on in in Pokemon you can get a Mew like legitimately. Uh you have to have an Abra and you have to like hit this one trainer, teleport, come back, run up, hit this other trainer and uh I'm having the toughest time because 
I don't have a Jigglypuff that's fast enough to use Sing before Nabra uses Teleport, so I've just been in this loop of trying to catch a Jigglypuff that's fast enough so he can hit before an Abra so I can get the Abra so I can do the glitch. So I've been stuck oh, in this dude. little loop for a little bit, but it's really nostalgic. It's really cool. Um, it's just kind of like feeding my addiction of Pokemon until Sun and Moon come out. But uh, yeah, I'm having a blast with that. You're, you said it's like beginning in the uh, beginning of the game, right? Yeah, it's like uh, Second City, uh, Cerulean City, I believe, where you fight Misty. Yeah, so I think the the way I would always get Abras back then is I would, since they're still really low level, I would just kind of like walk in that area of grass that they always show up in, and they are kind of like rare, but you just keep uh, throwing a Pokeball the first time, like you don't even try to attack them or anything, and then eventually yeah. you'll get lucky and catch one. I'll, I might just try that because at this point it's getting frustrating, you know. It works, dude. Yeah. Dumb. Uh, yeah. So I've actually recently taken a break from Fallout Four um, and jumping a little bit outside my comfort zone and comfort zone and dove right into Fire Fire Emblem Fates, um, which it, it's been fun. But that, we're gonna get into that later. Um, I do want to say, um, so me and my wife went and saw a movie last night. I don't know if you guys are into horror movies. Um, we went and saw The Witch. I need Alex. to watch that. I heard it's supposed to be really good, yeah. So, it's awesome. I, yeah, I read a couple reviews, and, you know, oh, it's great. It's phenomenal. Um, I mean, it was it's much different. It doesn't follow the same, like, the, the same garbage that every other scary like movie tropes? throws at you. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, it virtually has uh, no jump scares. Um, right. And it, you know, it does a lot, like, with, uh, like, the music is really well done, and the atmosphere it creates is super creepy but i don't know it's just the, the ending wasn't satisfying for me and i don't know it wasn't quite creepy enough consistently there like there was one part in particular where i was like oh man that's whoa i don't want to say too much but um ultimately yeah i was kind of disappointed i thought it would, would, would be much better but uh yeah it, it was it was definitely interesting it was a little different but yeah i think it has you haven't seen it right jared uh the witch no it's on my list of things to watch yeah yeah so i went and saw that after I saw Deadpool the other day, which was just like the best day ever, <laughs> yeah. um, which is an awesome movie. I think like at first I wasn't in love with it basically because of what you were saying, Jared, of how really it shouldn't have been marketed as a horror movie because it really kind of isn't. And I think yeah, that, definitely that hurts it when you're like watching it, you know. Um, but if you like kind of put that expectation aside and just like it for like a kind of more like a psychological thriller i think it really it really works as a psych thriller because um it does have some parts that drag and like some slower areas that are honestly boring straight up but like the atmosphere that you talked about the creepiness that like yeah it gets under your skin and it like makes your skin crawl in a way that you don't expect movies to do usually and it's like that part i thought they just like they freaking nailed that so and, it's uh, not the it's not my favorite movie of all time, and it's not my favorite movie of this year so far. I think Deadpool's better, but I think I'll definitely come back to it because it's it's a very interesting movie. It's a very like it sticks with you, kind of the emotions that it brings up, you know. Yeah. So the the acting from uh one of the the younger boy in the movie, I think they called him Caleb. I'm not I can't remember exactly. It was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, all the kids yeah. in general, like I mean, the kid had to be like seven years old, like unreal performance from a seven-year-old and i don't want to say too much what goes on but he did a great job i don't know his I, name 
I totally agree. I think the acting was another like huge highlight. The acting was like out of this world. And they had to use like th- those accents, you know, like wh- wh- why are yeah. they mad? And you know, <laughs> yeah, the the Middle English type crap. Yeah. So uh, basically, heard it here. If you look at it as a thriller, you definitely want to go see, you know, The Witch. Right? Sure. Is it The Witch? Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so we're gonna shift over to news now. Once you guys heard what we were playing, obviously Dom has some stuff to say about what he's been playing a little bit later in the episode for his topic. Um, so the first story here is actually a really sad story. It comes from. Uh, how did you say to pronounce her name again, Jordan? <laughs> so I'm no expert in Chinese, but. To me, this looks like Ziqing Wan. So, Mrs. Wan, I'll go with because I want to <laughs> play it safe. Um, she wrote over on Twinfinite.net about um, his name is Michael Forgy. He was the producer of Gears of War. He was the executive producer of Shadow uh, of Mordor, the Middle Earth game. He worked on Fable. He worked on Perfect Dark Zero. This dude had a track record. Um, unfortunately, he passed away. Uh, on March 3rd due to cancer. He was diagnosed with a very aggressive form of cancer in May of 2015, and he had been battling it this whole time. So we just give our condolences here. He was a really good part of the industry. He worked on some phenomenal games. You know, Gears is a great game that redefined third-person shooters, cover-based shooters. Uh, you know, Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor was a game of the year to a lot of people because of the Nemesis... Uh, was it Nemesis system? Was that the name yep. of it? Yeah, and, uh, you know, Fable, too. Like, he worked on a lot of things that really influenced the gaming industry, so our condolences go out to him. Um, On a different note, some user at Reddit actually found a a mural that they were painting, and it ended up being for uh, Hearthstone, and it's the new expansion that's coming out. It's called Whispers of the Old Gods, so it sounds very menacing, sounds very Blizzard. Whispers of the Old Gods. Yeah, (laughs) the old and the new. Yeah. and uh, so, yeah, it's just an image showing that it's going to be called Whispers of the uh, the Old Gods. It's going to be coming out. People are going to love it and buy it because Hearthstone can do no wrong. Um, that sounds way more like a Bloodborne expansion. Right? <laughs> it, it sounds a, a super menacing. It's like, you know. Well, it sounds like a Dark Souls expansion. Yeah. Uh, so the next story is actually really surprising. So earlier this week, uh, Lionhead Studios was closed down by Microsoft and so was the studio behind Max Curse of the Brotherhood. And Sony has come out and said that whatever whatever employees won't find jobs with Microsoft, they're actually holding a job fair in Guildford, UK, for anybody that was um, affected by these layoffs. And they're hoping that people can come in and, you know, land jobs with Sony over there, any of their studios in Europe. So props to Sony on coming in and helping out these guys who, you know, were just casualties of the industry and the way things go. And I don't really see this personally as a move of, you know, oh, Sony's trying to take these people to one-up Microsoft. I really think it's the industry coming together to make sure these guys, you know, they have families. They have things that they need to get paid, and it sucks to be laid off, right? Like, I mean, I'm sure it's like they're going to be happy with the good publicity that it brings them, but they're really trying to help people out here. I mean, like, that was a big AAA game that just kind of got – it was like – taken out in the backyard and shot like a dog almost like right it's really sad how that game was like it looked so promising and you know back when they showed it at e3 like two years ago it was looking not finished but it looked great like it looked like an interesting game maybe not everybody would love it but something i may even play down the road you know yeah so uh this story actually comes from mike futter over at game informer and what he wrote specifically was 
The Lionhead closure wasn't the only change Microsoft made on Monday. The publisher announced it was shuttering Press Play. The developer I was talking about earlier, I just can't remember their name, uh, who was buying Curse of the Brotherhood, and then their in-progress pro- uh, project, uh, Knoxville, which was the one where they put up three different ideas and they let people vote on which one they felt they wanted to play the most. <laughs> so much for that. Right. The They should have voted for them to stay in business, you know. <laughs> Hopefully those guys, they're probably grouped into the people who, you know, are trying to find jobs that will be retained by Microsoft. But, yeah, just... You know, these kind of things happen. The game probably wasn't what Microsoft wanted. And, you know, with, with Quantum Break around the corner, they want to have these quality exclusives out there. Um, you know, they don't want to have another... Uh, what the heck? What's the name of the, the PlayStation exclusive that came out last year that was not Knack. that great? No, not Knack. The um, <laughs> the one that had like a four-hour story. What was it? Uh, the Order, 1886. The Order, yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, that game was beautiful, but it wasn't really... There's arguments of whether or not it was a a fully done game or if it was even, you know, something worth that price point. So I think Microsoft's just trying to avoid that kind of thing, but it sucks because people lost their jobs. That's never a good thing. Um, next story comes from Kotaku. Luke Plunkett writes, Bill Gates, I will look into a new age of empires. So he was doing an AMA on Reddit as one does when you're Bill Gates and you have nothing but power and time. Um, and I guess he was answering questions and somebody wrote, Mr. Gates, can we please have another Age of Empires? Not sure if this is your department, but I figured I'd ask since you were here. Thanks. And I guess some time had passed and he hadn't answered it. So the guy edited his comment. He said, edit, Bill, please, I know you can see this. So so, um, Gates actually responded and he said, I will look into this. How many empires do you need? Not knowing probably (laughs) what the hell the dude was talking about. But, uh... You know, Luke writes, uh, well, Bill, just one would be a good start. I know there have been re-releases and expansions of Age of Empires, but the world could really do with the proper new Age of Empires. Um, I personally am not really into uh, RTSs, but I know that this is a, you know, a really big franchise that a lot of people are diehard fans and want one back. So maybe just getting this out there, this is a bit of publicity in the sense of I doubt Bill Gates will tell somebody to start making it, but it lets people know that people want this, right? Yeah. I think, um, you know, people say that nothing ever dies at this point, like media franchise, and um, it's totally true, but I don't think it should be. Like, you know, just because you can bring back Age of Empires, do we necessarily need that? Like, there's don't Total War and, and Warhammer, all these all Even these Halo games, Wars like, coming out. Halo Wars 2, I think, is going to be launching this year. So Yeah, I think, honestly, if... Age of Empires was that great. I think it would have survived. Uh, you know, I think there's been that niche through line of strategy games forever. So I don't think it would have gone away if that were the case. You know, XCOM. Is a yeah, example. I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that some things should just be left the way they are. And here's the thing: is like if they do come out with a new game, right, of Age of Empires, and it doesn't, it isn't what people want, then they're going to complain. Why did you do this to my franchise? So it's kind of like a a lose lose, you know. Or a win-win, right. depending on what happens. But um, I will say that's the one, well, one of the only strategy games I've ever played, and uh, I did enjoy some some of those old games um, on PC back when I was a, a youngin. So a youngin. I wouldn't I wouldn't be like ticked if they came back with one because I'm sure like uh, there's never a strategy game that really even like catches my eye, so I'm not even worried about. People it, just know? want them PC exclusives. <laughs> No, yep, kidding. exactly. Um, so this this story is actually, I would consider, one of the biggest stories, if not the biggest story for today. And CD Projekt Red, our guys over there who make the densest of games, um, they stated that they have a new game this year and more than 20 million copies of The Witcher 
games have been sold. Um, this comes also from Mike Futter at Game Informer, and he writes, CD Projekt Red has announced its strategic plans for the coming five years, giving us an idea of where the studio is heading. Uh, in 2011, CD Projekt Red expected that its games would have sold 10 million copies. To date, the trilogy sold twice that. Then he goes on to say that Cyberpunk 2077, which will arrive no earlier than 27, uh, 2017, is going to be five times the size of Witcher, which is kind of crazy to me. Um, but this game that's going to be coming out this year, it says, the developer says, a new type of video game format previously unexplored by the studio. With mobile games already under its belt, we're left to wonder where this venture will take them. Maybe a VR game? That might be too too crazy to think of, but what do you guys think this, this game is going to be this year? It's pretty interesting. If Gwen. it's something they haven't touched, like what can that be? I I gotta agree with uh, Dominic. I think that it's got to be Gwent. I mean, iOS and Android. Ob- yeah, exactly. They're obviously working on Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. If it's gonna be five times bigger than The Witcher, then you know they're gonna have to work on it until twenty twenty five. It's gonna be twenty 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 seventy seven before the game comes out. So. <laughs> so- do you think they'll but, have a presence at E3 where they kind of do the Bethesda thing, Bethesda thing where they're no, like... No, no. That's what I'm saying is like they're, they have a big AAA game that they're working on, big RPG. You know, this is for them to just like bring out a game this year, I'm like 95% sure it's going. Well, no, what I was going to say is, so you know how Bethesda announced Fallout 4 and then they're like, here's this mobile game you can download now. What if oh, they did yeah, that? Yeah. Like, what if they talked about Cyberpunk 2077 and they're like, we have something to hold you over until then. All of you Witcher fans, download Gwent right now on yes. iOS and Android, you know? For free. If that happened, I would just be so happy, man. Right? It's such an interesting thing, like, that a card game in a video game, a game in a game is so popular that people want a tangible, you know, f- well, I guess not tangible, it's on your phone still, but you can play it on its own without having to be in Witcher, so... So, I mean, they were they were a smaller studio, right? I mean, well, yeah, but with the recent success, they've probably right, brought know. in a ton of cash on Witcher Three. So, yeah, I'd imagine they're looking to, yeah, expand exponentially. But yeah, to have something this quick, can't imagine it's anything big. Well, also, like, there's a rumor going around that they've stated that they want to be one of the big three. Like, they want to be up there, be known with like the Bethesdas and stuff like that. So, you know, their their craftsmanship is almost unmatched you know they in my opinion i think they make great games and i think they're one of the most underappreciated studios out there um so i totally agree honestly i was telling you guys that um you know i played like over 200 hours of the witcher and did every single thing but i didn't touch gwent and it's because uh the night that it came out they released it early for digital and um, I started playing, and uh, my game kept crashing because there's, like, you know, part of, like, the tutorial area of the game is you playing your first Gwent game. Yeah. And every time, this guy would try to give me a card at the end of the Gwent game, and it would crash the the game. So I kind of just had to, like, uh, avoid that and get around it. And so then I didn't get the trophy... Uh, for that Gwent card, and so I couldn't get the like the trophy for getting all the Gwent cards, which meant that I couldn't get the platinum unless I like. Well, that's I basically I basically have to get the platinum on my new game plus, which is okay. I'll play The Witcher another time, but because of that, I was like, all right, you know what? I'm just gonna leave uh, Gwent for new game plus when I'm kind of just like not 
I wasn't rushing through The Witcher, but you know, I was like making sure you get to, it done. Yeah, yeah, I was trying to like play the game and kind of like move on. So I was like, I'll I'll play Gwent some other time. So I'm excited if it is just uh, Gwent by itself. That would be perfect because you don't have to go through the whole like loading up your character, loading up the game, and being on your PS4. You can play it anywhere. I think that's they should have done this. You know, last summer when the they should have launched with the game. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, congrats to CD Projekt Red for, you know, getting ready to have a lot more money in the coming years. Mm -hmm. Um, The last story here comes from Kotaku. It's from Brian Ashcraft, and he writes, A brief update on Zelda Wii U. So, Eiji Anuma, I believe is how you pronounce it, was asked um, how, you know, Zelda Wii U's development is going, and he basically replied, busy. And he, continuing with that, he said, When we did Skyward Sword for the Wii, at the end of stages of development, I was in charge of the characters, dialogue, and the ga- in-game text. And now as well, it's like it was then. I had to work on text today, too, he said with a laugh. But the game has really taken shape and things have gotten easier. That means things are progressing well. According to Enuma, the keyword this time is something new. Ocarina of Time was a huge leap for the Zelda series, and since then, Enuma explained, I think the base of our secret sauce has always been Ocarina of Time, but this time, the change in flavor will be like going from Japanese food to Western-style food. So, you know, Western-style RPG. Uh, Perhaps players will be surprised. Please look forward to it, because I think we'll be able to make it something new, like Ocarina of Time was. So, obviously there's tons of fans of Ocarina of Time, and I think this gets a lot of people excited. Um, I believe you were saying, right, Dom, this, you read this article and it really got your blood flowing for this new Zelda game? Absolutely pumped, yes. It's, uh, you know, it's strange that he just, he worded it like that. Uh, Jordan, we were talking about this earlier. Oh, he said from Japanese-style food to Western-style food. He could have just come out and said it, you know. Japanese-style RPG to Western-style RPG. Like, he could have just said it, but he said it without saying it, which is weird. Yeah. Well, I think... Like Dom, I'm excited to see that. I think that uh, obviously the Zelda franchise needs something fresh and new. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, Twilight Princess people had their their stuff about that game, and obviously Skyward Sword wasn't received nearly as well as I'm sure they wanted it to be. Um, and it's kind of like Final Fantasy, you know. Right now, Final Fantasy is like kind of hanging in the balance, like. Is it still a big franchise? Do people still care about this? And people will always care about Zelda, but they need to be careful about, like, the next Zelda that comes out needs to be an awesome game, is essentially what I'm saying, you know? Yeah. Um, so my my topic is actually going to be going into that. So before we head into that and start talking about, you know, Western RPGs and what this means for Zelda, uh, thank you guys for listening to the news portion of it. We're going to be heading into the topics now, so catch you guys on the other side. So, my my topic, guys, is with, you know, the story coming out that Zelda is going to be more of a Western-style game as opposed to, you know, a Japanese-style game. Does this mean that a lot of these developers feel as if they need to, you know, go with the, go with the, the tide of Western-style RPGs, right? These open-world games where it's what we're accustomed to, what the American audience is accustomed to. Do, they, do you think that these developers feel as if they need to... You know, kind of play in our ballparks. That way, they sell more copies. Do you think that this this type type of game resonates with gamers now the best? I mean, yeah, I'd certainly think so. Look at the success of Fallout um, the last couple last couple of years. Um, Dragon Age, Dragon Age, Elder Scrolls, Mass Effect, um, and even like action games like Assassin's Creed, Far Cry. They all have like that same kind of open world, right? Like, yeah, that's that's clearly the trend here. Um, 
And I don't want to, I don't know if I'm kind of skeptical of this. I mean, I don't know if this is necessarily what Zelda needs just to straight up copy some of that. I mean, it could be good, but at the same time too, it's understandable where they want to, they want to inject something new into their same old formula, formula, like, like he mentioned in the quote, um, that their secret sauce has kind of been the same. Um, but then looking back, um, the previous Zelda game before Ocarina of Time was a link to the past, correct? I think. Yeah. Um, which was obviously an enormous jump, um, like both technically and I mean, obviously moving to the N64, but if think about what a, what would be a modern like comparison of jumping from a link to the past Ocarina of Time, like what would that mean today? Yeah, well, the weird thing too with the, going with this is I think the reason they feel as if they need to go more Western is because so they're they're really just releasing HD remix at this point, right? The last like good new Zelda game to come out was A Link Between Worlds that Triforce Heroes a lot of people hated. You know, it's a gimmick. It was a Nintendo game. They didn't um, go near it. Yeah, it it wasn't worth going near. I played A Link Between Worlds, and to me, honestly, it's like a nostalgia trip at this point in a bad way, personally. I think Zelda Zelda does what Pokemon does, but it doesn't grasp me the same way. So, like, when I buy a Pokemon game, I expect the same kind of, like, the same kind of thing, right? You get your Pokemon, somebody's trying to do something with Pokemon, you get your eight badges, you defeat the Elite Four, and then there's New Game Plus, right? With Zelda, it seems like it's the same formula, but it's, it's not like welcoming like i don't feel like doing it over and over again and i think maybe having like a a, an open world game where it feels more like you know a cartoon skyrim it would benefit it and it would get a lot of new people into zelda who aren't you know medicated and drugged off of the nostalgia of zelda to keep running with the franchise you know so you think we're gonna see a zelda where um I mean, obviously, I think we're, we're still going to have Link, obviously. They're going to have, like, character customization to any extent. But um, do you think we're going to see Link leveling up his one-handed sword ability or, you know, having any sort of leveling like that, which has never been in that's, Zelda game? That's the biggest thing for me. Uh, Jared, you mentioned a cartoonish Skyrim, and I think that's what everybody wants from Zelda. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. Even hardcore Zelda fans, people that have been playing it for 20 years, because, like you said, with Pokemon, it's like... It's the same every time, but it's a good kind of familiar where you can just... It's like a nice, soft couch that you're used to. You can just sit down and relax and you don't have to worry about it. And with Zelda, it's the same every time, but they change a bunch of stuff too. So you have to, like, relearn all this other stuff, but then you kind of, like, settle into the <laughs> It's the same game like, you've played. Yeah, it's right. like... Yeah. So it's almost like you just have to... Kind of like Twilight Princess, you have to have this super long tutorial and then it's like all right, now you remember the rest of the stuff, just get back to it. And it's like, oh my gosh. This, if you guys want this to be, you know, same thing with any of Nintendo's stuff at this point. If you guys want to last into the 21st century with the rest of video games as a whole, then you need to, like, get on the ball. Like, act like it's... Uh, quit acting like you're just making HD NES games, you so, know? So in the... So in, in, in... They need that cartoon Skyrim. Yeah, I think, so, for those of you who have seen the Ghostbusters reaction that Kind of Funny did with Max Landis, he <laughs> said something that really resonated with me, where movies are trying to be the same but different, Yep. and I think that's a, that completely applies to Zelda in the sense of, like, they're trying to be the same thing, but it's different, but it's not the yeah. different you want, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, it's, it's different, but, like, but it's also familiar. Enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not different enough, not new enough, and... I, the art style of this game looks different and new enough, but exactly what Don was saying. Are you going to be able to upgrade your sword? 
Are you going to be able to, you know, like get cooler gear for your horse and stuff like that? Or is it just going to be, you got another heart container. Congratulations. Da 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 da. <laughs> yeah, Which I think they'll like definitely have some callbacks same. to that stuff, but they need to innovate because I, I think at this point it's like a lot of Nintendo things. It's running on nostalgia, right? Exactly. And even going back to the Pokemon thing for the argument, the new Sun and Moon from the trailers people are seeing, it looks like this could be a really different type of Pokemon game. I mean, it's not that hard to be different when well, everything's pretty much been the same. But I think with new leadership and everything, and not even just because of the new leadership, I think they're already in this this way of they want to become a new Nintendo because they know that old Nintendo it doesn't resonate with people anymore, you know? Right. It's like all these people who love them have grown up, and it's like, well... Those things are cool, but I want stuff that I like now, you know? Yeah, people change, and especially when they're growing up. So, you know, like I said, they don't want HD NES games. They want something new, and Nintendo's been trying to be the same thing for 20, 25 years now, and that's that's not what video games in 2016 are. You know, video games are constantly evolving, and... As long as they're trying to be that old Nintendo, they're just going to be stagnant. And if an, another stagnant Zelda game comes out, I honestly believe it could ruin the franchise because they're certainly not helping it with things like Triforce Heroes. Yeah, well, the thing is, is I have never really in the last two generations of Wii and Wii U felt that there was a game that I needed to buy a Wii for. And maybe that's just me and the type of gamer I am, but I do like Nintendo. Like, I buy every pokemon game that comes out i bought smash on the 3ds like i do i do support nintendo for the games i want to play but they don't have a console experience and i'm like that warrants me buying another console you know i currently don't own a ps4 but i want to own one because i want to play through last of us remastered and i want to play through uh horizon zero dawn infamous second son (laughs) those games have always been kind of like i don't know if i necessarily like them but like the playstation does have experiences that i want to buy it right to have one right they're enticing yeah i've haven't had that with nintendo and like maybe that's just me but i do love their franchises not because i don't love their franchises i will tell you this and this will never happen if they go and announce x gonna give it to you right and they say that there's going to be an RPG game on uh, RPG Pokemon game on the on the console at release. No matter if the game ends up being shitty or not, I'm buying an NX because at least the, it may be a shitty game, but they're trying to do something people want, right? And yeah. if this if if Zelda Wii U or Wii U slash NX is a Skyrim cartoon, that will make me possibly want to buy an NX. It depends on what else the lineup is, but. It'll definitely put me eighty twenty as a you know for buying it. Like it's something that would entice me if it's that well done. I will say I really hope they don't stray away from being the kings of local co-op, uh, like Sony and Microsoft have. That well, actually, no, you can't say that That's totally the one because thing they have. even though even though Halo didn't have couch co-op, Gears of War is. That might not have been a Microsoft problem. That was actually a three four three problem because they figured they'd rather have the game always run at sixty frames than couch co op. I don't give a damn if a game's running at sixty frames. The fact that I have to have two copies of the game to play with my friend at my house is dumb. No, yeah. yeah, in general, I mean, look at PS four and still Xbox the kings. One. Yeah, yeah. I, look at PS four and Xbox One. I mean, what good local coach or couch co op games are there available? I mean, real obviously sports games. Um, Maybe a couple of racing games, Diablo. But I mean, other than that, I, it's limited, right? I mean, playing Mario Couch or Mar- Mario Couch, Mario Couch—that's Mario- a new title coming out. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Mario Kart with a couple friends or Smash Bros. Or, you know, or 
new Super Mario or Super yeah any of that stuff is just there's nothing similar on PS4 and Xbox One. But what's the point of being king of couch co-op when you don't have any friends who actually own the console? Well, yeah, they come over. (laughs) Very true, (laughs) and that could be what the NX does. Is they're I heard a crazy thing on IGN News a while back where it was like, um, they were hoping to sell like 250 million units within the first year or something. That's insane. Which is like, uh, yeah, like, you know, PS4's naughty, well, right around 50 million, I guess, right now. They're hitting that dev math or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They want to sell 250 million? Like, yeah. yeah. I, and I, I rewatched the IGN News thing and they said that and, you know, IGN wasn't lying about it, so... Um, my point is that's like a ubiquitous device, not even gaming system or not even Nintendo console. That's a ubiquitous device at that point. That's like iPhone territory. Yeah. Uh, so you're going to do my grocery shopping for me or what? Yeah, exactly. So if that's for real and they're really wanting this to be so ubiquitous, then maybe the king of co-op is like what they're going to all be all about. And then co-op when you're sitting on the train with your detachable device that's like kind of like the 3ds or whatever you know yeah i i'm nintendo never delivers on power though and that's the problem to me is like they always do this gimmicky stuff where it's like it's almost there like this is good but it would be it could be better you know and right i just don't want a thing where like oh yeah we have this device that you can take with you and you can it's kind of like vita in the sense of like cross play cross uh, cross buy right where it works when you're playing it mobily but i don't want it to be i'm playing Witcher three when I'm when I'm at home, but when I take it on the go, it looks like Duck Hunt. You know, like I don't, want, <laughs> yeah, right, right, I don't yeah. want the graphical difference of the experiences to be that. Obviously, I can't expect a whole lot because it's a mobile device. But even phones aren't that far off from having decent graphics. You know, so it's like oh, I yeah. don't want I don't want that kind of experience because at that point, it feels like you're playing two different games. So. Well, it would have to stream, right? It would have to be a remote play kind of uh, kind of situation for that to even be kind of functional. Yeah. I don't yeah, you know. You would it's... definitely have to link back to your console. Otherwise, we're looking at a Borderlands 2 Vita situation, and right, we don't right. want that. Yeah, I definitely think that Nintendo realizes that they need to appeal to Western gamers, and I think they're going to be they're going to be you know figuring that kind of stuff out. I th- I'm interested to see where they take the Metroid series because I I really think oh, man. they can do something really unique with that if they have a good dev team. But yes. uh, we'll we'll definitely see. So. Those were our impressions of, you know, Western-style RPGs flooding the Japanese developers' uh, subconscious, really. Um, yeah, but we're going to get into your, into the second topic here. Uh, take it away, Dom. Uh, yeah, so the second topic here is going to be all about Fire Emblem Fates. So, uh, like I mentioned earlier in the episode, I'm jumping way out of my comfort zone uh, starting to play this game. I've never played any any um, strategy um, games in the same vein as Fire Emblem. Um Jordan, what did you te- call the technical term of the genre that Fire Emblem would be? An SJRPG? Or... Technically, yeah, it is a JRPG, but it's not like a, a straightforward JRPG like, you know, Final Fantasy. So, right, right. Yeah, it's a strategy Japanese role-playing game, I guess. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, again, this is like way out of my comfort zone, but after picking up a 3DS about a year ago, I mean... When you ask people for suggestions, you know, well, what games are good on this? It's like always Fire Emblem. Wait, you didn't buy a Vita? Three. Jordan's going to be mad. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so far, like, I'm absolutely, I adore this game. It's, it, it's addicting in the weirdest kind of way. So, I mean, 
it the gameplay is I, I was kind of i didn't know what to expect so essentially like in between each of the battles that you go through and each battle is kind of you know what you picture you're moving your guys around the battlefield um like chess pieces basically um <clears throat> so in between each battle i mean you're ba basically just getting monologue like just story just dialogue getting thrown at you um so there's not any kind of like overworld or anything of like in that nature you're just kind of going from battle to battle um in hmm. each battle so i i started with um birthrights which is the the easier of the two conquest is the harder one and then revelations apparently is a a third a whole third campaign which is kind of a mixture of the two apparently um okay. and then even go so since i'm such a beginner i obviously went with birthright and um went on the normal difficulty but also said it so when your characters die I get them back at the next the next round. <laughs> okay, yeah. Because um, let me tell you, if you played with permadeath on, I would yeah, I would be done. Like all my, I would have to start over. You know what I mean? I, I, well, I, I don't, I, I don't blame you. You've never yeah. played this style of game. If you were like, right. I play every Fire Emblem's game. I I'm a diehard fan. I'd be like, really? And you just you're going baby's first route. But the fact right. that you haven't ever played them, it's like you just don't want to get your teeth pounded in right away. You know, you're not playing Fire Emblem Dark Souls, so it's like yeah. Exactly, and because it's so dependent on like, like forward thinking, it really is like chess. Like you gotta not just think about what you're going to do next, but what what the other the the AI is going to do next as a result of. There's a there's a lot of different factors. It's really it really stretches your brain a little bit. Um, even even in birthright on one of the easier modes. Um, so it's fun and it's also rewarding when it pays off. But yeah, definitely. Um, if you're just starting out, don't play with permadeath. Um, definitely go with birthright. Um and not conquest but yeah so far i'm loving it i'm 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 in like i'm i'm fully in i'm addicted um and i'm gonna play through the campaign and i'll probably get conquest afterward and maybe i'll move up and turn permadeath on at that point but we'll <laughs> see yeah don't count your chickens um so me for me i've the last fire emblems game i played was the one on game boy advance which i don't even remember which one that was it was a long time ago um but uh have you ever have you heard of massive chalice jordan I have. What about you, Dom? It sounds familiar, but so not Massive not. Chalice is technically like Fire Emblem in the sense of like it is a chess game in motion, right? Very hard, but it takes like you you pick these families and then you can customize the family names and then you play throughout the game and you have to make sure your territories don't get taken over. And they have kids and then they grow old, so if they die, their kids take over. And it's kind of like you're managing these people and you're also managing fights. So I'd really be interested to see what your take was on Massive Chalice because it does do things that Fire Emblem does right. It's a really solid game, um, but it's not super story driven. But it the strategy point is there. Like I really enjoy that game because it is like a chess game, right? So I'd just be interested. It was it was free on Xbox um, Games with Gold. I don't know if it came to PS Plus or not. As far as it that, did. it did. Just games with gold, yeah. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it's a it's a cool game. It's in that kind of Fire Emblem, Fire Emblem vein, and uh, yeah, it's an interesting experience. But I haven't played a Fire Emblem game in a very long time. But I, the reviews I heard of these were that they were what people wanted, and they delivered on that. So that's really good to hear. So yeah, I mean, when I was deciding whether whether or not I wanted to pick it up, I mean, looking at looking at reviews, I'm like, what the heck is going on here? This like worst like I mean, obviously the 3DS I think is like a super low resolution screen and the vast <laughs> library. <laughs> um and it it just kind of looks like the gameplay it just looks i'm like what someone being an outsider i'm like what the heck is going on here like but when you when you get into it the story is good enough um it's engaging enough to pull you in um 
but yeah, I really am enjoying it. Um, this is coming from someone who has had zero knowledge of the series or even the genre beforehand. So if you're hesitant, you want a 3DS, you should almost definitely pick up Fire Emblem. Yeah, so mm. it's like if from for if somebody's interested in those games, it will definitely be a hit. Since you weren't into those games, then it was a hit, you know. So, right. Yeah, and they did a good job of um, you know making sure it, it caters to different different you know different skill levels basically. Well, it seems too like it. It seems like it's changed from the old Fire Emblems, where it is a little bit more welcoming to people who haven't played those type of games. Yeah, and that may be the case. I've never played any old ones, but and I'm sure that's the thing though. Even if uh, like series veterans are you know wanting something more challenging and more engaging, they can't really complain. I mean, you can always just rack rank you know turn up the difficulty. And... Game of Thrones mode, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I, again, it, it kind of welcomes beginners, but then also satisfies veterans, I guess. Uh, Jordan, what's your experience with Fire Emblem? I have never played a Fire Emblem game, so zero. Zero? Um, yeah. But um, it definitely that... interests me. It's funny to me the fact that they basically just released three games. Yeah. Um, then they should have just said that they were doing that, kind of like with the Zelda being a Western RPG thing. It's like, you're just releasing three games, you know? We get it. Um, but... It doesn't take away any of my interest. I think it's really cool that... Like, I'm totally down with the fact that they released three games. I think that's cool. I think that the branching paths that you take are interesting. And um, the... the I've, you know, they, they had some weird censorship issues with, like, petting your spouses and all that. But I still think that it's interesting, the relationships that you build and have kids and, and all that, which was part of Massive Chalice as well. Um... So I definitely think it's got something to it, and people are saying it's even better with, even better than Fire Emblem Awakening, which was, you know, back when that came out, people were saying that was one of the best Fire Emblem games. So I may try it out if I end up getting a 3DS at some point. So Dom, do you think with your experience that you'll definitely look forward to when new Fire Emblem things are announced? Like since you weren't really in that vein, you didn't care about that franchise. Now that you've played this, when you hear like at an announcement, like. Fire Emblem something, you know, there's information. Will you be, you know, happy that you're hearing about this? Since you're... Oh, absolutely. Yeah, my ears are perked now. Yeah. Permanently, so. So you're following the franchise at this point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's really huh. cool. It's an interesting take on that because Fire Emblem seems like a game where, you know, it's very hard to get new people in just because it seems so intimidating. But, you know, if you take that jump, apparently it's going to pay off because it's going to be something you could possibly enjoy and like. So that's really cool to hear. Especially for something on a portable platform too. Yeah, I mean, maybe that happens. helps with it too, though, because you have this time where you could you can't really be playing a console game. So you're like, well, I have my portable device. I'll play this, see how it is, and it's a different kind of experience. Maybe that that lent to you actually enjoying it more. You never know. Yeah, definitely. I like I having mean. I like having long games portably because it's like, you know, they can be taken in bite sizes, but it's like just kind of like. You know, over six months of your life, you've been carrying this game with you, and I like that. Yeah, it's like you can you can play this between you know birthday parties or plane flights, or you can sit down and binge it while you sit down. So it's like you have the option. So yeah, man, that's I absolutely hope to God that portable gaming stays around and we don't end up with just phones. I mean, I, I would hope that Sony makes another Vita, and it seems like Nintendo is at least in some form going to continue with portable gaming too, with the NX or whatever they decide to do. So, <laughs> hopefully. So, talking about old games becoming new games, Jordan, what's your topic for us? 
So we're talking about Ratchet and Clank today. Um, and as you mentioned, old games becoming new. Um, Insomniac really hasn't known what to call this, whether it's a reboot or remake. And really, it's just both, which is okay. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. So it's a reboot in the sense that it starts everybody over fresh. And um, it's a jumping on point for them and the audience to move on with Ratchet and Clank in the future. But it's also a remake in the sense that it is essentially the first Ratchet and Clank game from the PlayStation 2. Um, but it's tweaked and changed, so it's it kind of seems like an 85% remake. You know, there's stuff that's like totally brand new or totally different, but a lot of it you'll recognize if you played the original Ratchet and Clank on PS2 or PS3. So, um, with that being said, I guess my question is. Um, you know, as we talk about the topic, you guys can just give me your history with the series and what your excitement level is on this game. Me, personally, I'm super excited with it. Um, I love Ratchet & Clank, one of my favorite series of all time. Um, for me, growing up, uh, hitting the age of 10 or 12 with my PS2, I felt like I was coming into my own as a gamer, and I was really starting to realize how much I loved video games. And, you know, Jack and Daxter and Sly Cooper and Ratchet and Clank, all those PlayStation 2 exclusive platformers were, like, just my shit, essentially. So, uh, that being my jam, I'm super excited for Ratchet and Clank. Also, I wanted to mention the fact that I think this game's going to be super successful. One, due to the fact that it has uh, a movie coming out alongside it, um, which, you know, I think is kind of just its own thing. And um, people are kind of talking about how the game itself looks like a Pixar movie, so they're gonna obviously going to go hand in hand in that way. Um, and two, the fact that it's only $40, so, you know, a kid goes and sees that movie, which a lot of kids are, and then they're like, oh, I want to play the video game version. Heck, it's only 40 bucks. Mom and Dad will probably be down with that. And it's obviously family-friendly, so, even though it has a lot of sexual innuendos, but... Um, yeah, I think this game could do gangbusters, and I really think it's going to surprise people as kind of a sleeper hit, because people are kind of dismissing it because of the fact that Insomniac hasn't communicated well what it really is, whether it is reboot, remake, re-whatever. I think at this point, the, the franchise has been around so long that they do need something new, right? Because people will see, like, Ratchet and Clank some funny pun and they're like I don't even know what that is right but the fact that they're they're launching this movie along with you know this game like you said it's gonna do gangbusters especially with families you know with as many ps4s as there are out there it's it's I think it's gonna sell really well and I think it's gonna introduce people to a franchise that a lot of people have maybe forgotten or just never cared to get invested to um I think also the fact of people saying this is PlayStation all of these new PlayStation owners or old PlayStation owners want to basically be known for being PlayStation guys. Right. So it's like, you know, this is one for us. We need to make sure to support this because, you know, they did something for us kind of thing. So um, I've never played the Ratchet & Clank games. I was more of a Jack and Daxter kind of guy. Yeah. Um, but this, it looks, the game looks pretty. I want to see the movie. <laughs> yeah, but it looks great. I, I, I really think that they should define their messaging. And at this point, it is hard with between movies and with video games. It's like, what's a reboot? What's a remake? Does it even matter? No, you know, it doesn't. That kind of thing. So. It doesn't matter. 
But, you know, that's a really good point that you just made. I didn't even think about the fact that the PS4 install base is huge, and this is going to be a big exclusive for them, you know? People are looking at Uncharted 4 and just thinking that's, like, the only thing Sony has this spring, but... Boy, watch out for Ratchet and Clank, man. So uh, Yeah, I think it's going to surprise a lot of people. So what do you think has, like, the greater effect? The, uh, oh, it's only $40, I'll pick this up really quick, or the, uh, why is it only $40? You know, which of those two effects do you think will be stronger well, I here? Think, I think I think it's the, the movie, so from a movie point perspective that, that Jordan was making, I think it helps it because you go and see this movie and you're like, well, I already paid almost 20 bucks for this movie. Oh, but the game is 40 bucks. so the 20 bucks I spent on the movie kind of go hand in hand with this so it's like I'm buying a $60 game. Sure. Plus the fact is if you're so if you're if you're a kid that wants this game, your parents aren't going to care what price it is. They're like he wants this game. Oh cool, it's actually cheaper than I anticipated. Yeah. That'll even make it a better chance of that parent buying that game, right? Yeah. On the flip end of that, people are like, "Okay, I have uncharted or I have this game. You know, I want something else too." Oh, I can pick up a second experience that's completely different. It's a companion. That's cheaper. Yeah. Yeah, it's a companion to the movie and it's just um, you know, if the witness is any indication, gamers themselves and just people who play video games in general, I think, are done with this notion of the $60 price point. I think it's stupid I think, and it's, yeah, it's I old news and I think we're past that at this point, you know? So for I think this is an attachment game, right? This is like, I think a lot of the sales are going to be pe- people either buying a PS4, buying a new PS4, and they're like, oh, this game's already 40 bucks," or people buying a different game, buying this game as well. You figure if there's a game that's on sale for like 20 bucks, now that's on the PS4, I don't know what that would be, but or even like the 40 order. bucks. And then they see a new game that's 40 bucks. they're like, oh, I'm getting a used game, and I'm getting a new game. You know, I think this is going to be a huge attachment, uh, attachment rate for this game, just because of the price point and, you know... It what it doesn't hit with the with the familiarity to old PlayStation fans, it hits with being kid friendly. So it's Definitely. like hitting all avenues, really. Definitely. So I think it's gonna I think it's gonna do really well. I would be surprised if it didn't. I uh, I don't see this game flopping by any means. It could have bad reviews, but I highly doubt that too. I mean, if it, if it's anything like the old ones have been, it's probably gonna you know do fairly. Yeah, it well. should be around sevens, eights, maybe nines. Or yeah, nine. yeah. I definitely think it'll do well, but. See, I, I think it, you know, I'm a little bit biased here, maybe, but uh, I think it could hit in the nines. I really do. You think so? Yeah, as far as, like, average review score, Metacritic or whatever, like, the game looks incredible. And if I know anything about Ratchet and Clank, it's that it has really great combat. And there is not enough awesome third-person action-adventure games on the PS4, like... That's why I love Infamous Second Son so much is because it's that really awesome video game action where you're just having a blast, you know? Same thing with Sunset Overdrive. Like, we need more of those games, and and I think people dig them when they play them. That's a really cool, like, style of video game, I think. And, uh, like I said, Ratchet & Clank, the gameplay is, like, really solid. And there's a reason that this franchise is still around. I mean, Sony wouldn't be making this whole game, building it from the ground up, if they didn't have some confidence, you know? Yeah. So, hopefully Ratchet & Clank is what we all expect it to be. Uh, I don't think anybody thinks this game's gonna fail, but we'll see how well it does sell. Um, thank you guys for watching the second episode of the Controlled Interests Gamecast. Uh, since we opened this show, you know, we're talking about what we were playing. Do you guys have any ideas what you're going to be playing in the following week, between shows? 
And between now and next week, uh, I'm probably still Fire Emblem and some Fallout. So I'm definitely going to be working on uh, Mass Effect, like I talked about. I'm going to be digging more into that because um, I really like that game, uh, and I had just gotten kind of distracted from it with like PS4 games since it is kind of an older game. Um, and then I need to get back into Persona 3 FES on. It's a PS2 game, but it's on my PS3. Um, have you guys played Persona before? Nope. nope. <laughs> no Persona fans. Well, um, I... Interests me. I, just never got around to it. Yeah, I started uh, Persona 4 Golden on Vita when I first got my Vita. And then um, when I found out about Persona 5 and, and what it looked like and how awesome it seemed, I decided to just uh, stop P4 and go back to P3. So um, Persona 3, like, I love the Persona games. They're really cool. Um, you know, the dating simulator aspect and like the going to school and being a social kid is, uh, it's like super Japanese. And yeah, it, it, exactly. People love that. But it is, is, it is interesting and fun and like you get into your schedule and your routine and you have fun with it. Um, and then the combat is just like really solid turn-based JRPG. So, um, I'm like 50 hours into it, but they're super long games. They're like hundred hour games or so. So. Even though I'm 50 hours in, I'm probably like halfway through. So I need to hop back into that and finish that up. For me, I, I'm probably going to be doing some like achievement cleanup. I have a couple achievements left in Madden 16 that I need to get. I have some stuff in uh, Black Flag that I need to get around to getting. Um, it might just be like a chill week where I listen to podcasts and just go through old games that I want to like clean up my achievement score because I'm crazy like that. Um, I might start up... Uh, um, What's the name of the indie game that came out? Uh, Child of Light? Yeah. That was free on Xbox a while back, and I downloaded it. I just haven't gotten around to playing it, and it totally seems like my type of game. I just haven't gotten to playing it, so I might play that. That's I'm a good one. I'm going to be playing Smite, as always, because I'm a mobile nerd. Um, <laughs> yeah, th- so uh, thank you guys for watching. We really appreciate it. Um, for anybody who shared it, liked it, anything like that, it's really awesome. We're trying to get this off the ground, and you know, any like, subscription, anything like that is really appreciated. Uh, if you guys want to follow us for all of the biggest updates or most current updates rather for us, go to Twitter at C-T-R-L-I-N-T or follow any of our personal accounts. That will be down in the description below and at the end of this video. Um, once again, we want to say thank you guys, and uh, yeah, we'll catch you guys in the next one. Any parting words, Jordan, Dom? Hashtag smash the dunst. <laughs> you know, you keep saying that. What does that mean? Well, we can talk off air about that. I'll give you the, the full story because <laughs> it'll a last. Long yeah, exactly. But all you need to know is Kirsten Dunst, Super Smash Brothers. Oh, it's Tim Gettys. Exactly. <laughs> Alrighty, catch you guys later. Bye, guys.